Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Amanda Littman, and this is Battleground podcast from The Recount. Our guest this week is Mike Rothschild, author of The Storm Is Upon Us, How QAnon Became a Movement, Cult, and Conspiracy Theory of Everything. Mike is a journalist who specializes in conspiracy theories, and since 2018, he's specifically focused on the rise of QAnon and how it's been affecting politics. I wanted to have Mike on the show to discuss how the movement has shifted away from their 4chan, wilder conspiracy theory roots, and is now attempting to build real political power by taking over school boards and local elections. This is a really timely conversation because this weekend, Capitol Police are expecting hundreds of QAnon acolytes, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, and other far-right extremists to show up in D.C. in protest. They are seeking, quote-unquote, justice for the folks who are being charged with participating in the January 6th insurrection. So as you see those folks in the news over the weekend, and if you're in D.C., stay safe. It's really worth keeping in mind this conversation and the roots of this far-right extremism starts and hopefully will end in some deep internet dark web. Beyond this weekend's rally in D.C., it's important to understand QAnon and the way that it is changing because it has a direct impact on our national and local political ecosystem. I mean, we're seeing the webs of their conspiracy theories and their ideologies make its way through the Republican Party. You know, as I tell Mike, the Venn diagram between Republican Party and QAnon ideology is at this point most of a circle, if not all of it. I think it's worth understanding how did we get here? Where does that come from? And what can we do to stop it? Which is what Mike and I get into. With that, let's hear my conversation about QAnon with Mike Rothschild. Mike Rothschild, welcome to Battleground. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us about everyone's favorite topic, QAnon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You are an expert and author of a recent book that came out called The Storm is Upon Us, How QAnon Became a Movement, Cult, and Conspiracy Theory of Everything. I read your book. I thought it was really interesting and terrifying. Um, (laughs) I want to start with a little bit of sort of like level setting for folks. You know, QAnon has been around for a while. So why don't you give us a little bit of the TLDR on what QAnon is, how it's changed, what's going on at the moment. So the basics of QAnon are that there is a supposed military intelligence team called Q (laughs) using a variety of extremely awful message boards to leak 
cryptic clues and rhetorical questions leading up to a massive purge of the deep state by President Donald Trump. But the very basics of it, what it was from the first of those drops, as they're called, made on 4chan in uh, late October 2017, up until Joe Biden's inauguration, was that there was a military intelligence team using this image board to let patriots and Trump devotees know what was about to happen and how to prepare for it and how they could play a part in enacting this great purge and fighting this secret war between good and evil. Well, now, as you can tell by the part that it hinges on President Donald Trump doing stuff, that's not really what QAnon is anymore. What it is now is that Trump will be restored to office. There will be some sort of political meme magic that elevates him back to office through revealing of the corruption of the faked election of the audits the ghost votes and then presumably he will get back to the business of eventually purging the deep state so everything is still fine they're still trusting the plan the plan is just a little more complicated now than it was seven months ago and there are some offshoots here beyond the sort of trump presidency of an understanding that Democrats are an evil cabal that traffic children and Hillary Clinton is the leader of this and some webs yes. <laughs> of the conspiracy theory that get a little bit complicated. It, yeah. Q really works because it, it's much more of a an umbrella of conspiracy theories mm -hmm. rather than one. I mean, that's why the subtitle for the book is The Conspiracy Theory of Everything, because that's really what Q is. There is old school anti-Semitism that's been around for centuries. There's the satanic panic. There's uh, political conspiracy theories of the 2016 election. There's uh, affinity frauds that go back a couple of decades. You can get into aliens. You can get into suppressed cures for diseases. You can get into secret technology. Anything you want can be found under QAnon. So... It really wasn't a surprise to me when these people started showing up at school board meetings mm -hmm. screaming about how vaccines were poison and how masks are slave muzzles. But also Joe Biden's not the real president. And also there's a deep state and also the Jews control everything. Everything has been kind of merged together under one giant mythology that is now becoming conservative orthodoxy. So even talking about what QAnon is at this point, when you're talking about QAnon, you're really just talking about what a lot of Republicans believe. So you get to something really interesting, which is that the Venn diagram between the Republican Party and QAnon, while not a perfect circle, right. um, there are certainly many Republicans who do not ascribe to QAnon. And there are, I am sure, some Democrats who ascribe to QAnon or some components of the... There are, yeah. But almost certainly... <laughs> The core activists of the Republican Party at this point are made up in large part, I think, at least based on my understanding, of people who ascribe to at least some part of the QAnon ideology or the QAnon conspiracy theories. Yeah, they will not identify as QAnon believers. In fact, they will say, oh, I'm not one of those crazy Q people. Mm -hmm. But then they say things that are exactly in line with QAnon. You know, they'll talk about the deep state trafficking. You know, we got to save the children. You know, they'll they'll make insinuations that Joe Biden maybe doesn't know where he mm -hmm. is at any given point. I mean, this is all just basic QAnon stuff. And what's happening is the really lurid stuff, the sex trafficking and the satanic rituals, that stuff is being kind of sanded down yeah. in favor of a much more mainstream, much more vanilla version of the conspiracy theory that's always been in American politics. 
that there is a string pulling cabal, you know, you can call it the deep state, you can call it the Illuminati, you can call it the New World Order, you know, the Bilderbergs, the Trilateral Commission. There's always something or multiple somethings that are actually pulling the strings. And Q adapts very quickly to it. It's a very adaptable set of, of beliefs and of mythology. What's the word here? Is it QAnon followers? I say, yeah, believers. Believers. Um, acolytes. Um, QAnon believers and folks who ascribe to at least some part of QAnon ideology are taking over the Republican Party from the bottom up. There was this incredible ProPublica investigation just uh, earlier last week about how after Steve Bannon went on his podcast, which he says has like 400,000 listeners and said, calling on the quote unquote deplorables to take over the Republican Party from the bottom up. Um, ProPublica called a bunch of county chairs in competitive states to find out, did that happen? Um, 41 of the 65 counties they surveyed reported an unusual increase in precinct officers. There was something like more than 8,500 new Republican precinct officers, mm -hmm. which for folks who may not be familiar, precinct officers are like the lowest level of county party um, officials. They're the ones who often make decisions about like, the polling place or mm. special appointments. It's the way that you begin to take over a party. Yeah. And it's very resonant with what happened with the Tea Party a decade ago. Yeah. So in the way that maybe the Tea Party had sort of mega donor money behind it or Ted Cruz type folks leading the charge, Q has begun to do the same thing, which makes it a real political threat, not just to Democrats, but also to Republicans and more broadly to democracy, because so much of this is driven by a stop the steal, anti-CRT, anti-equity education right. mentality as part of that. I don't even know how to begin to fix this. Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing is basically exactly what the Tea Party did and what the anti-abortion movement did, what mm -hmm. the Christian right did. I mean, this very low-level organizing that doesn't make headlines, that people don't talk about on Rachel Maddow most of the time. It's the grunt work of democracy that the local news doesn't cover. I mean, that's why these people are running for school boards and running mm -hmm. for city councils and running for small-town mayors, because these are really winnable elections. you got maybe a couple hundred people voting in some of these elections. And if you make a name for yourself and you get some publicity by screaming about how they want to turn our kids into slaves by putting masks on them and how critical race theory is going to make it illegal to be white and walk down the street, you're going to get people who go, oh, I I've been thinking that for a while, but he's got the guts to say it. I'm going to get behind him. And suddenly you've radicalized these very local elections that don't make the news, that people don't talk about. You know, people don't vote in the off-year precinct election. But that's where democracy really starts. And I think it's a brilliant strategy of the Bannons and the Mike Flynn's of the world to get people really excited about these really unexciting races because they're easy to win and they're easy to infiltrate and they're easy to push really toxic ideas onto a larger group of people. I mean, I saw Mike Flynn, or at least a quote from Mike Flynn, was pinned to the top of a major Q yes. forum. On, uh, yeah, Whatever. Great Awakening. Great yeah. Awakening of like, run for school board run for school board. It's yeah. time to run for local office. Yeah. Take over your local city and yeah. county. Like They're not hiding the secret here. Oh, no. There's no hiding at all. This is all being done publicly. You can go online and find clips of school board meetings from around the country with just people just screaming and threatening and, you know, parents showing up at schools with zip ties because the principal had the gall to have kids COVID tested once a week. People are kind of losing their minds right now, and there are a lot of people who are really good at exploiting that. It doesn't have to be a giant conspiracy. It doesn't have to be the Russians doing it to us. We do it to ourselves all the time, over and over. 
Battleground needs to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more of my conversation with Mike Rothschild. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Battleground. We're talking to Mike Rothschild about QAnon. I saw a study that I think in at least December of last year, something like 17% of Americans believed in sort of the core QAnon mythology. Can you paint me a picture of sort of your like typical Q believer? One thing about Q believers is that there is no one racial or mm. socioeconomic demographic. They tend to be white, you know, mostly white. They tend to be middle class or upper middle class. They tend to be somewhat educated, some college, some, you know, beyond college, but they're all over the place. I mean, you've got really highly placed people who believe this stuff, people on the Upper West Side of Manhattan who are making QAnon memes, people in Malibu, people in New Jersey. I mean, people who you would think would know better. The biggest sort of commonality that these people have is that they already believed in conspiracy theories. They don't come to this through just waking up one day and deciding that George Soros and the Rothschild family run all of the central banks and are secretly funneling all of their money towards sex trafficking and secret UFOs. That's not just something that dawns on you one day. You work into it. So one of the things that I found in talking to the family members of Q believers mm. is that these people were already radicalized by something. They were 9-11 truthers. They were Obama birth certificate truthers. They were, you know, Trump spygate truthers. A lot of them got turned on to conspiracy theories when Obama was elected or when Trump was elected. They were already there. Q was just the next rung on the ladder toward being completely engulfed in this world. It does strike me as an outgrowth of like the the social media landscape that has changed pretty wildly that allows this stuff to move so quickly through the ecosystem, overlaid with sort of a lack of media literacy and understanding how the Facebook algorithm or how news sources might be playing to your interests. Um, and I think you get at this a bit in your book about the relationship to media literacy. And in particular, I think for boomers who might not really understand what they're reading. Can you dig in on that a little bit? So one of the questions I get a lot is, what is the culpability of the social media giants in all of this? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sort of, are we more conspiratorial now or is it just easier to find? Yeah. And I think that we are about as conspiratorial as we've always been. Uh, there's research that about the same number of people believed that a conspiracy killed John F. Kennedy in 1963 as they do in, you know, 2013. So we always have believed that stuff. 
but it's easier to find now. It takes a lot less work. In the good old days of conspiracy theories, in the 90s even, you really had to know where to go. You had to know what shortwave radio station to listen to. You had to know which weird bookstore to go to, who at the gun show was selling Waco the Big Lie. You know, you had to know that stuff. There's no barrier to entry now. You can go on Facebook in five seconds and find any conspiracy theory you want that backstops any belief you want. So the access is there with li with very little barrier to entry. And media literacy is a big part of that. You know, we found that boomers are much more likely to share fake stories on Facebook. Uh -huh. They're much more likely to trust the things that they read as being true, even though we know that the Internet is full of garbage, full of lies. <laughs> Older generations are still used to being told the truth by the media. But at the same time, you can't just pin it on boomers. I mean, it's younger people, too, who just believe the things they want to believe. Yeah. It's younger people driving this craze of ivermectin instead of vaccines for COVID who are driving the, yeah, maybe Biden's not really the president. This is not just a boomer thing anymore. Q got very popular with boomers at the beginning, but we're way past that now. How much of this was was spurred by the pandemic and a lot of people being home online and really finding community online for a year, year and a half? A huge part of it was. I really thought that getting into 2020, Q was really starting to recede. But with the pandemic, suddenly everybody was a conspiracy theorist. You know, everybody was trapped inside almost overnight. Nobody quite knew what was going on. And when that happens, we look for for easy answers to our questions. And even more than that, we look for someone to blame. So if you, you know, we're already kind of on the fence about 5G before the pandemic, and suddenly you're like, oh, I think 5G internet did this. You go online, you find an anti-5G Facebook group. They point you to an anti-Bill Gates Facebook group. And you say, oh, I've heard some, some bad things about him and vaccines and Africa, and I should join that and find out the truth there. So you join that. It, it recommends a Great Awakening Facebook group. That's QAnon. So suddenly you might be a fairly progressive person who would never dream of voting for Donald Trump, but suddenly you are wrapped up into this thing that is hitting all of your buttons about wellness, about health freedom, about vaccines, about the internet. And now suddenly you found QAnon and maybe not all of it works for you, but enough of it works for you. So that now becomes your thing and it provides the answers that you've been looking for and it gives you the people to blame for where you are. I am just stunned by some of the stats that you and the stories that you told and Parker's like I don't think I know anyone who I don't I don't know that I know anyone who ascribes to Q if they have, do they haven't told me a professional dem democratic political operative um <laughs> I'm perhaps not the first one you would say but I think that actually gets at something that part of what makes this so sticky is that it's a viral belief and it it infects a community and then to step away from that becomes a thing that destroys your relationships in your research, have you found the sort of dissolution of relationships to be a big part of this in the same way that other cults sort of function to separate you from your friends or family? Yeah, it's a big part of it. The QAnon kind of mythos is such that you feel like you're trying to help people. You feel like you're trying to wake up the world. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there is no allowance for debate yeah. or winning people over or, or sort of backing up your ideals. These people are really good at cutting out their friends and family because they they're like, oh, they're they think I'm crazy, but I think they're crazy. I've got my Q family. I've got my MAGA family. And, you know, they don't get it. They're still sheep. They're not they don't want to wake up. They don't want to leave the Matrix. They found this amazing thing. And anybody who doesn't want to hear about this is is crazy and toxic. And you should 
cut them out of your life. And of course, you've got people on the anti-Q side saying this is toxic and anybody who believes this, you should cut out yeah. of your life. What happens is there's no real discussion about this. There's no like, hey, let's, let's just talk to each other as people and sort of figure this out together. It just doesn't work that way. Q believers won't do it. Q skeptics won't do it. I, I don't really like to do it. I don't debate Q believers. What's the point? There's no one's going to win that. So we calcify into these silos of belief. And then we wake up one day and we realize, oh, I haven't talked to that person in a year. I don't know how they're doing. And I don't really want to know because they're going to start talking to, about Q to me. For folks who have left it, what do they point to as the thing that got them out? It's very different for each person. And there are very few ex-Q believers who will go on the record to talk about their experiences mm -hmm. because they still are processing what they've gone through. They may still believe some part of it. Uh, they feel ashamed. They've ostracized the people in their lives. You know, it's not like Scientology, mm. where you have almost an industry of people who've left Scientology and are trying to help other people out. Q is so new that n nobody knows how to get people out of it with any regularity. But one thing that I found is that if you look at it sort of as a tapestry, and if you see one thread that's dangling and one thing that doesn't make sense, you know, one question that you're not getting a good answer to, and you start to pull on that thread and the whole tapestry just completely falls apart right away. And you realize that you've been conned and lied to and you're, you've been sucked into a grifting cult, but you have to want to pull on that string. You have to have the ability to realize yourself that you've been lied to and you were wrong. Mm. Um, and, and it's human nature to, to, to not want to think that we're wrong. We all want to think we're right. Yeah. And Q believers are just like the rest of us in that way. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be ashamed. So we don't necessarily pull the thread because we don't want to know what's going to happen when it falls apart. Well, and this points to why some of the Republican leadership has been pretty hesitant to even begin to call out Q ideology because to do so would in many ways um, repudiate it would like it would make some of their their best donors feel bad. <laughs> right. It would it would yeah. alienate the people alienate. who they yeah. need. And that's one of the things that was really going on with the 2020 election is that you had a lot of powerful Republicans who really danced around the Q thing. Yeah. And they was like, well, I don't know anything about that. If somebody else wants to believe that, that's fine. You know, we don't judge people here in the Republican Party. So what you end up doing is nothing. You, uh -huh. You're saying nothing. And you, what you are doing is giving these people license to have these beliefs and they're not being held accountable. And the same thing was going on after the election with the people who really believe that Trump actually won and there was massive fraud in all 50 states. You know, well, you know, Biden is currently the president and the votes were certified, but they're not answering the question. And you get even Republican senators who, who would be asked, like, who won the election? And the answer is so much more complicated than it needs to be, because it's not that they think Trump really won, but they can't alienate the people whose votes they need and whose money they need. Mm -hmm. So you end up just saying nothing. Battleground will be back with Mike Rothschild after the break. And we're back with Mike Rothschild. One of the scariest conversations I had maybe a couple of weeks ago was with a Republican operative who was um, we're talking about this challenge of some of really the scariest sort of anti-democracy candidates running for local office, because that's what Run for Something does is try and mm -hmm. support pro-democracy candidates running for local office. And we're talking about this of how how is there no mechanism for stopping them? Yeah. One of the things that this operative said to me was like, 
Well, the mega donors who you'd expect to engage in this also agree with it. Right. Like there is no lever within the Republican Party from the operative side, from the funder side, mm-hmm. and especially from the media ecosystem, right. which absolutely benefits it. To stop this, can we talk a little bit about Fox News's role here? Um, Fox News, Breitbart, Daily Caller, you know, the Bannon podcast, Alex Jones, you know, a million right wing blogs. There is a media ecosystem on the right that allows nothing else in. It is a bubble where there's no sunlight, there's no oxygen, there is no other side. Mm -hmm. The other side is satanic and evil and must be destroyed. This is not debate. This is not, you know, both sides. And and so much of left-leaning media is, well, we got to hear them out. We got to talk to them. We got to convince them that they're wrong. You know, if we just if we just coddle them and we stop shaming them, the other side wants to destroy us. And it, we don't want to do that to fight back because we don't want to stoop to that level. We don't want to create a liberal Fox News and just lie to people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But we have to find some way to counter it because it is enormously powerful. It is so powerful that it sucks up everything else around it. You know, dealing with the election stuff, you can have very low level Republican bloggers and podcasters put out the most insane ideas about dominion voting systems. And this stuff doesn't get marginalized and laughed off. It gets picked up. It gets picked up by the gateway pundits, the Michelle Malkins, the Newsmaxes. And that drifts up and up and up. So then it gets on Fox News. And then Donald Trump is talking about it. And there's no left-wing equivalent of that. It doesn't exist because we try to work around the truth. We don't work around the stuff that we think is real, that sounds good. <laughs> you know, we're trying to live in the real world. And while I prefer the real world, there are also certain hindrances to it. This is a real challenge for Democrats as you think about how to message around this in a way that straddles reality without, I don't know, unnecessarily, maybe it is necessary to terrify the shit out of people. Well, yeah. And things are are not great right now for a lot of people. And a lot of people don't want to be confronted with that. They want a better answer. They want things to be better. They want things to be the way they used to be. And that's not pre-pandemic. That's like 1954. Mm -hmm. And when you have a Republican and conservative media apparatus that is 100% screaming at the top of your lungs, they're trying to destroy you. Here is who is funding them. Here's how they're doing it. Here's how they are canceling you. They are taking all of the things that you believe and they are twisting them around against you and join us in the fight against them. That's really powerful messaging because what that does is it says the real world is a bad place and the Democrats did it to you and here's how to fight back and put them in their place. And that is so alluring to so many people. And that's why Q took off to the extent that it did. Your life didn't turn out the way you thought it would. There are rich people above you who are making your life miserable, but we can fight back and we can stick it to them. And it did something that no conspiracy theory had really ever done, which was make you part of the solution. Mm -hmm. So many classic conspiracy theories were just like, read this book about how evil the Clintons are. Aren't the Clintons evil? (laughs) Q is the Clintons are evil. Here's all the horrible things you did, but here's how you can fight back. You can make a meme, you can make a video, you can red pill your friends, you are a digital soldier, stand in the trenches with the other digital soldiers, wear your Q gear, deface some money. Yeah, maybe commit a little bit of light treason if you feel like it. Just for fun. (laughs) It's just for fun. As a treat. You know, and and to save the world. One of the most popular QAnon videos 
put together by this absolute creep who went by Joe M. I talk about him a lot in the book, mm-hmm. is the plan to save the world. And the first line of the movie is, do you ever wonder why you feel like you can't get out of debt? Well, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, so, you know, here is a guy who's like asking all the questions I'm asking myself, but he's got a plan to save the world. I'm not going to turn that down necessarily if my life is not going where I want it to. I'm going to look to that. I don't want the hard slog of democracy at the precinct level. I want to save the world. So, yeah, it it took off. And Republicans have been kind of dining on that for a few years now. Yeah, people who listen to this podcast will notice that there's some similar themes that keep coming up as we've had (laughs) conversations about the big structural problems, you know, everything from like the Republican control of the Supreme Court, which was, you know, cultivated by investment in local elections and judicial appointments, the anti-CRT fight, which similarly cultivated by Republican investment in uh, media apparatus and local elections and education systems. You know, all of these are overlapping. That is one, because that's what I'm personally very interested in. Mm -hmm. But two, because I think it's it all culminates in a very particular moment in which, you know, there's the demise of religion in American society, the demise of trust in institutions, Mm -hmm. the demise of civic engagement in terms of community, like you're not part of the social club or the Kiwanis or the Rotary or what have you. All of that combined with the economic anxiety that so many people really do feel, rightfully so, and looking for someone to blame and for a community to join. I think that that loneliness component here actually can't be underrated as a reason why people are engaging in this. Yeah, people are isolated. People are lonely. There's not a surprise that so many people flock to Q who were older. People who maybe their kids had moved out. Maybe they were widowed. Maybe they had just retired. And suddenly the social and family structures that they had for so long are not there anymore. And they maybe haven't done the best job at cultivating community and friendships. So they go online and they find people who are going through the same thing. Q works not because of like mind control or brainwashing or rewiring the way you think. It works by giving you a community of people who think the same thing that you do and who validate your beliefs and your fears. Everyone wants that. Everyone needs that. And Q is just really good at cultivating it. And it's a role that I think political parties used to play and could still play eventually one day, but that have become so for one, underfunded, but two, like so hard to engage with in a way that still builds sort of familial relationships. It's like too personal almost. Right. And it feels too intransigent. Whereas Q gives you a space where, as you well put it, you can believe this and then you can solve it. Yeah. It's very much sort of the local politics of like getting a pothole filled Mm -hmm. or, you know, getting a bus bench repaired. I mean, it's really critical stuff. We're so focused on what's happening at the national level, the Supreme Court, the filibuster, the $3 trillion spending package, which is all super important. But it's also really important to know who's on your school Mm -hmm. board. Who do you talk to to get a problem fixed? Who do you talk to about a problem neighbor? You know, those are the basics of community. And Q filled that need of, I mean, certainly it's not like local politics, but it's the, hey, we're all getting together and we're solving a problem together. Yeah. And it's not a problem like the filibuster or expanding the court. You can't do anything about that. <laughs> but I can influence my local school board by giving them the good information, by telling them what I've learned 
from Steve Bannon and from QAnon and from Infowars. And Democrats aren't doing that. No. We're still trying to figure out, you know, who paid off Brett Kavanaugh's credit cards. We're not concerned about the, you know, QAnon lunatics who are going to be deciding what our kids get taught. And I think maybe we need to focus a little bit more on that. I mean, it's all I do with all my time. I agree with you 100 percent. I'm wondering if you could play prognosticator for a moment. What do you think the impact of Q will be in 2022? on the elections? Um, It's going to be enormous. And Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a little tricky to quantify because the Q movement is really leaving that branding behind. Uh, One of the things that happens to me when I talk about QAnon is that I immediately get flooded with, you know, egg accounts on Twitter going like, there is no QAnon. I know you, you know, the media made that up because there was a Q drop right before the election uh, saying basically to drop the idea of Q. The the phrase they used was, there is Q, there are Anons, there is no QAnon. I mean, it's that sort of classic thought-terminating cliche used by cults. It's time for Uh, a (laughs) rebrand. Yeah, time for a refresh. So they're not talking about Q. They're not talking about like Epstein Island anymore. That stuff is really being sanded down. But the anti-vaccine hysteria, the pro-dodgy horse-paced cure, the anti-mask stuff, anti-critical race theory, anti-Joe Biden being the real president, that stuff is not going anywhere. And it's getting bigger and it's getting more mainstream and it's having more and more people talk about it in a way that doesn't quite sound so conspiratorial and sinister, but sounds more helpful of, you know, why are they forcing this vaccine on us? You know, why do they care if I take ivermectin? And it, it becomes very personal and it stops depending on sort of a weird guy in Japan making <laughs> message board posts and more dependent on what you believe, your truth, your experience. And people will get behind that. It's not really easy to follow Q drops, but it's really easy to say, I don't want Fauci telling me what to do. And so that's what it's going to be in 2022. And they've got like the three factors you need for really successful political engagement in that they have strong relational ties with one another. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They have clear communication mechanisms and they have a lot of passion. Yep. And with those three things in a midterm election, that can make a big difference. And they're everywhere. And they are. They are your friends and neighbors. Yeah. So what do people, I want to say regular people, but... Q non people are regular people. 100%. So what do people who are not Q followers or accolades do to combat this? How do do we push back? First of all, you need to keep tabs on the people in your circle who might be susceptible to this. It doesn't have to be confrontational. It's just a conversation. It's a friendly check to somebody going down a bad path before Mm -hmm. they go down it. Because once they start to go down it, it's very hard to get them out of it. I think, you know, as we were talking about, we really need to do what they're doing, which is focus local. We got to stop worrying about all of the things in Washington that we cannot control. Worry about the things you can control. Know who's running for your school board. It's not super sexy, but it has to be done. We can't lose. You know, we can't lose school boards. We can't lose mayoral elections and city councils. That's how they take control. They don't take control with troops kicking down the Oval Office door and arresting Joe Biden, they take control because they're on their school board and you didn't do anything about it. So watch your friends and family, keep tabs on their social media, practice your own digital literacy and your own digital hygiene, you know, really make sure the stuff that you're sharing is real and and you're not sharing it just because it sounds good and get involved. 
vote in the local elections, run in the local elections, campaign in the local elections, help somebody out, do it at the local level because that's where they're doing it. And we've got to meet them where they're doing it. And I think it's worth putting a fine point on this. They are often able to succeed in places that Democrats do not have strong party infrastructure, do not have good roots or good data. Um, Those are places where maybe if you're listening to this, I won't assume that you're a Democrat, but maybe (laughs) if you are or if you just are someone who wants to stop Q accolades, like it's a place where there might not be a ton of organized opposition. It's where someone can win a Republican primary and all of a sudden that's the one who's going to win the general election. Right. So really being intentional about that. As a Democratic Party, as the members of Congress, the national leaders, the powers that be, what do they do? Well, it's hard because I think a lot of Democrats are still laboring under the misconception that if they just act a little more collegial to their Republican colleagues, that we can all figure this out. Like, oh, we just have to talk to them. You know, we just have to, you know, we just have to meet them halfway. No, you don't. Yeah. We don't have to meet them anywhere. We, we have to push back as hard as they are pushing. Republicans will scorch the earth behind them and blame you for giving them the matches. Now we don't want to be them. We don't want to be just a, a, you know, a democratic version of the modern Republican Party, but we've got to fight a little dirtier. We've got to do some of the things that they have no problem doing. The era of, you know, well, we debated, it was a very strong debate, but then we all got together for bourbon afterwards. That's done. <laughs> I don't know if that's ever going to come back. And so we've got to stop pretending like it is. And we, we've got to realize that, yes, they are Americans, but they are Americans who want very different things than we want. And the things that we want are inclusive are helpful, are trying to make things better for everybody. We've got to be better on our messaging. We've got to be better at pushing back. And we've got to realize what they're doing and how they're doing it and find a way to counter it in a way that is not evil, but is also very powerful because they've they've got power and they've got evil. And we don't want evil, but we've got to hit them the way they hit us. And I know that's very sort of nihilistic almost, but the game has changed and we're still playing by the old rules. Well, and not to feel a little warm fuzzy, but I also think there's space for the Democratic Party to create the kind of community that people are seeking. Absolutely. We've got to give people the structures that they find in Republican apocalyptic beliefs. Mm -hmm. And we've got to restore local institutions. And of course, that's really hard right now because we're all still in a pandemic. And the Democrats, by and large, are the ones who are saying we've got to continue to respect that this is going on and we've got to take this seriously and it's the republicans are going ah we're done hmm. we're all getting together yeah we're all going to sturgis oh, so it's man. i wish i had easier answers but it's conspiracy theories that give you easy answers hard work is not an easy answer but it's the right answer mike i think that's a really good note to end on mike rothschild author of the storm is upon us thank you for joining battleground thank you this was terrific Thank you so much to Mike Rothschild for joining me on Battleground this week. We love to hear from listeners. So thank you so much to everyone who has emailed or left us a voicemail. If there's someone you think we should have on the show or a topic you'd like us to cover, leave us a message at 929-399-6748 or email us at battleground at therecount.com. Battleground is a podcast from The Recount. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating and an excellent review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Aaliyah Jackson and David Wilson engineered this podcast. Jessica Williams is our associate producer. Tara Ottavino is our producer and story editor. And Christian Kauster-Rossell is our executive producer. 